This is the Athlete Mindset Podcast, hosted by Lisa Bontesumi, and it's all about mental health in sports. This podcast is presented and produced by Sports Epreneur, part of the CADSource Network. This podcast series is a space for conversations with athletes, coaches, practitioners, and stakeholders in sports. And it's where those individuals share their perspectives, experiences, and thoughts on mental health in sports. I am Eric Kazmov, the founder of CADSource and the creator of Sports Epreneur. And we're hosting the Athlete Mindset Podcast on this platform as I deeply believe these conversations are essential and deserve to be prioritized. If you would like to be featured on this show or one of our many other shows, or if you are looking to create your own content, please reach out to us. You can find us at sportse.io or you can connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Lisa Bontasumi is a psychotherapist and mental performance consultant to high-performing athletes at the youth, collegiate, and professional levels. She's the first ever mental health and performance coach for Oakland Roots SC, a men's professional soccer team in the USL. Lisa is the founder and CEO of Ath Mindset, and she's the host of this podcast, Athlete Mindset. So... Lots of fun things that have transpired since I last talked to you about this project. When I talked to you about this project, I the idea came to my mind maybe three days prior. So since then, I've done, I know, you know, impulsive ADHD. I'm like, oh, I have an idea. <laughs> but that helps it become reality, though. Since that helps it manifest to become what it's supposed to be. So, Right. And one, I told one of my good friends about it, and she's the executive producer that's her title. And that's my way of giving her her flowers and credit for helping me. And we have we both know that her role is to be my accountability partner. She knows how I am. And so for example, right now, the last two weeks, I haven't done anything for the podcast because my energy towards yeah. it is like, I'm depleted right now. But the two weeks prior to that, I was spending like five mm. hours a day writing and editing and doing the research. So... Since then, I've done quite a few interviews. I've started writing. And I think that's where it's difficult because the last podcast I did was interview heavy. And we just edited that. And since this is narrative, Uh, I have to actually write uh the story. (laughs) And so that's been more of a challenge. But um, also got in touch with the national team's media officer. And he's been very nice and helpful and trying to get me some of the players. So coming together and then... Nothing is official yet, but speaking to a platform about possibly being a network partner for the show. Good so for you. very oh, I love I love seeing all the things you're Thank doing. You. Too. Super inspiring. I'm like, there's Megan, let's get it. Like, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. it gives me energy. So <laughs> keep being you. Awesome. Oh, thank you. Uh so for this, I just have a few questions as far as your experience as Filipina, and then also from the lens of mental health and how it relates to performance and what you what your bag actually is, like what your expertise is. But to start, I just would love to know about your background, being born in the Philippines, playing soccer, all how all of it comes together. Whatever you oh, thank you. Um, let's see. Gosh, where do I start? I mean, I think um, the Philippines. Where were you born? I was born in the Philippines, um, okay. in Manila. My parents actually met here in the U.S., actually in Berkeley. They were graduate students at the same um, university, and that's where they met. They, my dad actually was, um, and he's, he's white, 
Um, he's American white. We, he goes back five, six, seven generations in Kentucky. And then beyond that, he had discovered some like Dutch ancestry, but there wasn't much um, culture that he added to our family in that way because he didn't have it. He didn't know it. Um, what he did add to our family is, um, you know, the openness, the social justice platform that he really stood by. Um, and they united around like that common common core belief. Um, so they studied here and then they went, they were in re religious education, my mom and then my dad in minist ministry, studied to be a minister. And so they did their missionary work in the Philippines. So met here, my mom was, she grew up in the Philippines, raised there and came here on that, on that scholarship for that graduate education. Then they went back, had me and my brother, and then came back to the U.S. to work actually with Cesar Chavez and the United Farm Workers. Um, that's the first kind of gig or job they had when they came back to the States. And then my youngest brother was born there. So we are a mixed race family, heavy Filipino culture and upbringing in our family. Um, a lot of customs. I, my brothers and I went back to the Philippines a lot. Um, for some reason, me being the oldest, I guess, and a girl, I went back more and stayed there many, many summers growing up and came back fluent in Tagalog and then I lost it, you know, because there's no one to really talk to, you know, I, talk to my mom, but then it's like, you know, you need more than that. You need to be immersed and surrounded. But um, yeah, so I, I could go on and on there, but that's, that's the original story. Yeah. So you had a, so I always find it very fascinating how cultures are strongly or not so strongly infused in people's households. And mine was food traditions, things like that. I was not taught Tagalog, hmm. so I don't understand anything. How much of that do you also pass on well, to your children? I, yeah, I, I, I can understand Tagalog pretty well. Um, our cult, our home was um, uh, infused with Filipino culture, but it's interesting because my dad doesn't, didn't live it or know it, but like customary, like, like Pung Bahai, she was off in the house, respect, um, like all the different things traditions and cultures, the food. Um, so for my kids, it's not the language, it's definitely the culture. We do that too here, same thing. Um, and it's the food. And my mom's lived with us for four years. And so like her influence, you know, as a human and, and, and how she moves in the world, that's, that's culturally um, driven as well as like in our house day in and day out, which is amazing. Um, so she has a, a direct, you know, um, role in parenting them and has individual relationships with, with each of them that's, that, that are unique. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know she lived with you guys. That makes sense. So they yes. have their, their yes. yes, they do. Take care of that. Yeah. So when did you start playing soccer yourself and how Great was it? Great question. I was seven. Um, it happened... I, I sometimes say accidentally, but I don't think, I don't believe in accidents anymore. So my, um, I, after my after school program, my parents couldn't pick me up one day um, and take me home. And so they were both had like meetings running late and they asked my best friend's mom to see if, if, you know, can you take Lisa home tonight? Um, be a huge help. And she's like, of course, but I have to take her to my daughter's soccer practice. And I remember her name, Colleen. We have to go to Colleen's soccer practice first before I can take her home if that's okay. So she'll have to kind of wait, whatever. Um, and of course my parents didn't have, you know, um, any choice. They're like, sure, we appreciate it. She'll be fine. No worries. 
Um, and so we got there and I was like watching on the side, like, oh, this looks kind of cool. Like they're running around. Looks like they're having fun. Like <laughs> I like just kind of got up and started like kick, touching the ball, kicking it around. And then the coach was like, noticed like, hey, you want to come out? You want to come kick it around with us? Blah, blah, blah. You're seven, right? I'm like, sure. Um, and so I took to it. I, I loved it. Um, joined that team. Um, and then, you know, started playing competitively around age nine. Um, played competitively and traveled um, up until age 17. Also, um, high school ball, club ball. Um, and then I got injured. And so I couldn't um, take it to the next level, which was my hope and dream. Um, but that's that's how I got introduced to it. And that, that's how it started. Yeah. That's yeah, a cool awesome. story. Yeah. That's a cool story. No. Yeah, that's not an accident. Especially now where you are doing the work you do. This was your calling. This is your gift. That was not an accident. You were supposed yeah. to go with your, with your friend. After go to her practice mm-hmm. after school that day. <laughs> so as you know, this show that I'm working on is all about the national team making it to the World Cup. The idea of first generation belonging. There, I have a whole episode that's about the history of the of soccer in the Philippines, which isn't the strongest. And I don't really have a very direct question here for you. I just want to have more of like an open conversation about your perspectives and thoughts on soccer in the Philippines. I've already learned that so much of it is just money is an issue in the Philippines, the lack of space. But something you and I talked about on the phone a couple months ago, too, that I think is interesting is as women, it isn't a sport that was encouraged. And so I'm very curious, any thoughts you might have on on all of this and what the Philippines can do to help drive and grow the sport. I feel like they're years back from where the U.S. are now, but they're starting to see the importance of it and make those correct strides they're just a little bit behind. yeah i mean it's a great conversation to have i mean i think that you know my connection to my home country is 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 a strong one um i think that you know it's it's a third world country straight up um there's not a lot of resources for a lot of things and the culture dictates the more you know traditional culture dictates that women don't really play sports. Um, you know, it, it's a colonized country. It is a Western dominant con- country, um, for better or for worse. And so, you know, we are supposed to align with what that what that Western female looks like. You know, hot, lighter skinned women are more toted um, and prized. You know, w- Filipino women aren't supposed to be in the sun or tan because that is a symbol of um a lower socioeconomic class Mm -hmm. so there's all of those um types of variables in play and then you know when we spoke a couple months ago you know like my close family my my ninang and my um tito were were the ones who were i stayed with them when i traveled and so they're like you know don't play soccer too much. You know, your legs are going to get big, you know, and, and don't play soccer too much. Cause you're going to get like kind of aggressive and like, um, too, too masculine basically was the, was the fear, was the fear. 
Um, and, you know, I, I took it as a grain of salt. It, it meant something to me. I thought about it for a second and I was like, you know, I was always, always a rebellious, rebellious person and teenager when it comes to that stuff. I'm like, they love me. They're only saying that from love. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Um, but that, that was interesting messaging. I'm to the point that I remember it today. Um, but I think that the resources for sport are really, really important in countries like the Philippines. I think that, um, the value of it, um, the value that it brings to the human being, that it brings to the family, that it brings to the country of like, you're developing human beings who are learning so much through the power of sport um, and playing it, right? They're going to learn communication, collaboration, knowing your role, knowing how your role fits into the larger goal, um, you know, building relationships, how to communicate off the field and within the locker room um, and in your families, bringing pride. Um, so there's so many benefits to playing the sport um, at the youth level. And then I think those benefits grow as we, you know, get in more competitive atmospheres, but also the pressures grow. Um, the exact reason that we're playing for our country is something that's very prideful, means a lot, but it's also brings a whole new level of pressure um, to, to that. And so how do we manage it? How do we show up to it? Um, so I hope that you know, that the, it starts with the money, the resourcing, the higher ups that trickle down. How do we promote the sport in the Philippines as something that, first of all, is okay for women to participate in? Um, and they're not going to be seen as, oh, they're going to get too masculine, or maybe, I mean, this is sometimes a talk, or they might, the sport's going to turn them gay, and we don't want that. Um, all that stuff, right? Like dispelling all of those myths about what it means to be a high level female Pinai athlete. Um, and then put, pouring the, the resources and support in there for the coaches, for the players, um, to, to be their best human selves. Um, and that playing their sport for their country is an expression of one of their identities um, and how to help them be proud of that. So as you know, girl, we could talk on and on about it, but those are, those are my initial, initial <laughs> thoughts. Well, I think that's very interesting too, because a lot of the conversations I've been having and a lot of the research I've been doing and writing about is the lack of investment and priority in the sport. And so much of it comes to the monetary resources. But I think it's a very interesting conversation to open up that it's this, it goes hand in hand where these larger cultural myths play a part in that. And as much as having the money and the investment is the one of the biggest factors, it's a balancing act as well where dispelling all of this almost has to come first. And then everything else and, will fall. Yes, as well. and, I, and I think that there, there is money. How do we prioritize how it's used based on that value system and based on those myths? You know, every club, every country has some support, as little as it might be, you know, and everyone's going to prioritize first, you know, coaches, players, salaries, food, housing, travel, uniforms. But like, you know, when does it come in for like the extra, which I don't even want it to be extra, like a mental health practitioner or mental performance consultant within the team or at least available. But I get that like there's a sort of mm -hmm. um, hierarchy of needs, um, but like making sure that the women aren't forgotten. And that's every country, girl. We know it's in the U.S. too. So there's just so many different mm -hmm. um, variables and factors in play um, that 
do influence how the money is prioritized and delineated. Yeah. So you said something earlier that I am excited because it's like the main question I have for you because this is what what you do. But I listened to a podcast. I think it's an NPR podcast about it, the whole thing followed Messi through the World Cup. And there, I, I don't know if you've listened to it. I can't remember okay. the name of it, but it's an NPR podcast. And so it really follows from his whole life and his career trajectory from being born in Argentina, moving to Spain, coming back, playing. And there's this smaller underlying storyline of him not sometimes feeling accepted by Argentinians because he left to go to Spain and come back to play for Argentina and the pressure that put on him. And so you mentioned that a little bit. And I would love to know your thoughts on how this idea of representing your country, whether you're in this example from born and raised in the Philippines, or as many of the girls on the team are born in the United States representing the Philippines, how that pressure can affect their performance on the field because of Mm -hmm. that mental aspect and that emotional. Yeah. I mean, I think how do you see that translate? Because you also, even outside of soccer, you Mm -hmm. work with a lot of Olympians. So how does this idea of representing your country translate to their... No, absolutely. And, you know, to even add to it, I've worked with, I've worked with the Jordan women's national team, U17 and others too. So there's that, there's that um, representation. I think it's interesting. Oh gosh, I have so many thoughts, but I think, yeah, I think that it comes down to (laughs) what is your relationship to the country that you play for? What is your relationship with it? What is your connection to it? How do you, like, where are you in your pride level? It will determine how how the anxiety might show up or not. I mean, we all need a little bit of anxiety, whether we play for our country or not, to, to perform well. We need that to kind of get for, ready for the moment. But I think if we take the Philippine women's national team, everyone comes from, you know, there's, like you said, American-born, there's, um, Philippine born, how does it play out? I mean, it's interesting that sometimes American born players value being Filipino differently, good or bad. It depends on the acculturation, assimilation, and your connection to the, to the country. So I went, when I went to Jordan, this is a side note, I learned that the sort of the, the Nile, the pyramids, there, there was a section of what I observed that Americans value the Nile and the pyramids more than the Egyptians because it is a co- controversial in so many ways. Slaves built the pyramids. You know, the Nile has been a source of political and, um, you know, political conflict. Um, it's, it's a resource that has been manipulated and that the Egyptians have found it to be like conflictual. So if we bring it to like the Philippines, I think like, you know, my niece plays for the team. She's born mm-hmm. here in the States, but we have a strong, strong, strong with my mom, you know, connection and identity to being Filipino. So she takes a lot of pride in it. And, you know, to be honest, she does suffer from, I don't want to say suffer, cha- is challenged by managing the expectations, like playing for like her dad's country, which is my brother, her Lola's country. like her country, um, and not wanting to disappoint, not wanting to, 
um, you know, sort of buckle under the pressure. So there are ways that, you know, she and I and like other other folks in my life, um, other people, athletes I work with on a professional level, learn how to to understand where our pressure comes from, how to understand it on a deep level, and then how to put tools and skills in place to manage that pressure. So I think them having their own words about like, what does it mean for me to play for this team at this time of my life? Them having a space to be able to talk about that, to be able to talk about what it means to them. And for me to be very attuned and listening to what it means to them, because I'm not going to impose what I think it should mean to them, what what I've seen it maybe means to them, but I need to hear it from them and help them discover that. And then how the pressure shows up in different situations. Is it only in home games? Is it only in away games? Is it during training sessions? How does it show up differently? Is it pre-game? Is it during the game? Is it after the game? And so like me getting in there and understanding where it shows up and how it shows up. Is it like, is it physiological? So do you have butterflies and want to want to throw up before a game? Okay, let's understand that. Do you start to hyperventilate or get anxious or panic attacky? Um, how do we address that? And so breathing techniques, imagery, preparation, you know, I could go, you know, list them all again, like depending on the individual <laughs> human who's an athlete who has that relationship to their country and then how it shows up to them. So it's, it's complex, dynamic, meek um, for each person. I love this. I always love, that's why I was so excited for this question particularly, because I always love hearing you talk about it and how you approach it. So it sounds to me, if I'm understanding correctly, the first question is, what's your relationship to the country? Yes. And so what I'm curious is, if someone asks me that, I don't know. So if you are working with someone, say you're working with me, which I will never represent a country on that level, but just say hypothetically it's me, and you ask me, Megan, what is your relationship to the Philippines? And my answer is, I don't know. I've never been. My parents are from there. I'm proud to be Filipino, but I don't know my relationship. How do you then challenge someone to try to unpack? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's about don't take it literal. Like, right? Like, what's your relationship to the people of the Philippines, to Filipino culture, to Filipino traditions? You don't. You're not less of a Filipino if you haven't been there. But like understanding what what is a part and and a part in shaping your Filipino identity, and what does that look like? So when we say we're playing for a country, um, your relationship to the country and your identity within or without that country. What does it mean to be Filipino to you, and how does that play out when you represent a country in your sport? So making it more general, like being more open-ended in the questioning, helping them identify because there is a relationship and like helping them discover that. I really appreciate that. And even exactly what you said as having not been there doesn't make me less Filipino if we're using myself in this context, because to be quite honest, for my whole life, I feel like because I have not been there, I am less Filipino because I, and especially because I don't know the language and I even geographically couldn't put into context where my parents are from. Like mm. I couldn't not picture Manila or Osamis. Like I, I don't have that understanding. And even hearing that as someone who doesn't play helps me in my life now remember just because I've never been there doesn't make me any more or less Filipino than someone that 
spent their life Absolutely. doing game here. I think I think it's um, freeing, and I appreciate you saying that because I think that um, for different reasons, you know, me being half white, me not like looking quote unquote Filipino. There's a way that there are some there have been some painful moments for my own people not recognizing me, you know, or not valuing mm-hmm. me as Filipino enough. Um, even though I've been there, even though I I can understand and speak a little bit, even though I you know I can, I mean sometimes I I like I know I'm going into a an elevator with Filipinos in there who don't know me, don't know my mom. I'll start speaking Tagalog and I'll answer in English, and I'm like, oh, uh, like it's like it's like sometimes, and this is painful. <laughs> like our own people don't recognize us or value us as part of the culture that we are born into, um, and so that's that's a tough one. And there's history there. Like I get that. Like you know. Um, the Philippines is a, is a very, um, where you're from and who your family are is, is a big, big thing. It's huge. Um, and so even regionally, like even, um, what part of this part of the Philippines are you from or what neighborhood or barrio are you from? Because that defines who you are. Um, and, th- and there's a history there, like of, of regionalism and safety and like pride in that, like even when, me and my mom are out and about. She'll she'll see someone who looks Filipino. She's like, "Are you Filipino?" And like, start a conversation. You know, um, totally. My parents do like, that also. Like, they want to connect. They want to <laughs> see if, if there's a way that we have crossed paths somewhere, or like that we know the region or the country in a certain way. And um, but I think it's it's dangerous to judge people based on where they've been, where they've not been, what language they speak, what they don't speak, what kind of culture or traditions they're in. Let they have to define that for themselves and giving them that opportunity to do so, I think it can be powerful instead of being told that you are this or you're, th- or you're not that. I love this. This is very powerful. And I like the word you used, freeing, even for myself. And if you look at both of us and our cultures, and I use culture in the context of like, you know, childhood mm-hmm. upbringing, like that culture, you may be halfway you were born in the Philippines, you spent so many summers there. And while some people may want to put, or probably have in some point in your life, put you in the box of you are this or that Filipino. And then I can be like, well, both my parents are from there. I'm a hundred percent, never been there. And you have more experiences in the country and perhaps a, when a stronger relationship in your definition of a relationship to the country than I do. And so I think it is very unfair. And that's why I find this whole story I'm trying to tell so fascinating because I've spoken to people who cover the team in the Philippines and they say there are parts, there are populations of the Philippines who look at the women's national team as, well, they're not ours because they're not from here. And there are parts of the Philippines who are so proud because it's, oh, they're Filipino. They are one of ours. And so I find just this whole idea of acceptance Mm -hmm. and belonging for first, second, third gens just so fascinating because it's like, I think we all as human beings, regardless of where you're from, you just want to be accepted. And I then am always so curious how that affects a player when they're playing, is it the pressure of, because I could imagine for myself, it could be the pressure of, I know the process my parents went through to come here to the United States, and I now want to Mm -hmm. make them proud Mm -hmm. in in doing so. Um, 
So yeah, I just find it. No, and I think I think me too. And I think that you know, that's that's you hit it right on the head. Like we all want to be accepted. We all want to belong. We all want to be seen for who we are. We want to be seen the way we see ourselves. Um, um, and maybe shown a different side of ourselves if it's something that we don't really like or we want to be different or better at. Um, you know, my my niece who plays, you know, as I said, was born here. She's been in the Philippines several times, obviously, um, even up to joining the the team. But she's also, um, you know, Puerto Rican. So she's Puerto Rican. Yeah, her mom is Puerto Afro Puerto Rican. And so I noticed, you know, okay. she and I haven't even really talked about that, but like how you code switch and how you change how you what sides of you come out depending on the group membership that you are associating with at that time. So I've noticed, and um, I don't know if it's conscious or unconscious. I have to feel like it's conscious because I do it too. Like the way so her natural hair is long, thick, and has a little curl because her, her again, her mom is Afro-Puerto Rican. So she has that naturally. But when she plays on the Philippine women's national team, it's, it's in, a, in a tight bun. It's straight in a tight bun. Okay. Mm-hmm. When she's playing for Santos FC, Brazilian um, team, it's in a big ponytail and it's curly. Okay. So how do you sort of, you know, especially with soccer players, I know this is like their hair is for men and women is one of the only ways you can be kind of express yourself differently because you have the uniform. Um, Uniform or like, I mean, tattoos, other ways that you can kind of like stand out and be individual on the field. But like that is an intentional, I wonder, I'm going to have to ask her. I'm not going to speak for her. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, I would love to know whenever you yeah. have that conversation with her, how that, <laughs> like what she says, or if she knows if she's aware of it. I don't know. Like, because like I, a little. depending on my space <laughs> that I'm in is like, for me is like, how do I wear my hair? Natural. Cause mine's curly too. Um, natural in a hat straight depends on I mean that's part of like how I get dressed and I'm very intentional about who I'm going to be sharing space with or leading a space um as that as part of like my outing process or expression of who I am um and it's important for those of us who look ambiguous I mean you have the last name Reyes like people think I know that you're Mexican or from you know a Spanish-speaking country and so like how do you um when do you let that go or when do you say something depending on your energy or how you're feeling or like the, the you know who you're talking to it's so complex and a lot of emotional labor and a lot of um energy to um show up in different spaces as as brown women as bipoc women you know depending on where we're at so backing up a tiny bit do you in the work you've done let's say with the like the Jordan women team or just any of your other athletes that you've worked with, is that a, is the idea of representing their country and the pride of their country a common theme that you all talk about and they talk through? And let's say in this example, like the pressure of representing a country on a big stage, whether it's the Olympics, mm-hmm. the World Cup, another sports version of a World Cup, also called a World Cup. Um, but is that something that you commonly work yeah, with, it depends. with your clients? Because again, it depends on, you know, their their identity, their their relationship to their country, what country it is. Um, you know, I think um, 
lots of our guys too, if you take the roots, get called up to play for their national team mm-hmm. um, at mm-hmm. different levels. And like, it's, it's, it's different. This is different. There's a, there's a different vibe about it um, because it's bigger than them. It's bigger than them. It's their family. Yeah. It's their parents. It's, you know, so it depends on the human being and kind of like um, where, again, where their anxiety comes from. You know, sometimes it's easier to pay for their national team because there's more of a um, understanding, like the culture is, um, again, though, I was going to say the culture is more unified, but like that's not always true because there's so many, I mean, we line up 10 Americans and there are going to be 10 different ways to express their American nationality or 10 Puerto Rican folks from like, you know, um, but there's like, there's like a, a hum. I don't know how to describe it, a hum or a buzz that's, that's understood. Um, I don't know how to describe it. That, that I, you, and you feel like a little bit more so than playing for your club team? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's be real too. Like there's, there's lots of different ways Americans view their American nationality. And when we're talking about nationality versus ethnicity, culture, there's a lot of people in this country who aren't proud to be Americans. Because of the way that this right. country runs and has run, the history, the, the mm-hmm. politics, but everybody's different. So I don't know. I, I'm not answering your question directly, but if it comes up, no, we talk right. about it. But I let them lead with it if it's something that they want to talk about. So then my last question for you is a little bit loaded, but not only as a Panay, someone born in the Philippines, also, because your niece plays for the national team, but what does it mean to you to see the Philippines? I mean, you're going to make me cry. I mean, super proud. You know, like, I think about, like, my mom and what it means to her. Like, her life is about her kids and her grandkids. Um, you know, my brother's on my brother. My niece's um, dad is, like, um, sending us all the links, like, watch here, watch this. We're getting up at 6 a.m. or like whatever to watch it. Um, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Like it's, it's, you know, I'm just, it's emotional. Like just super proud. Super proud for her as a, as a human being. And cause I'm really close, I'm really close to her and like seeing her express herself in these ways and, and have these experiences, but then also what it means for our family. <laughs> You're going to make me cry. It's been my favorite question to ask everyone. And I ask it at the end and everyone almost has to take that same deep breath and then they get really emotional. And I think that's, what's really special about soccer and sports and culture as Filipinos, we are very proud people. And so even at the end of the day, and maybe that's like a storyline I need to tie in there of regardless of you, if they are from the U S or from the Philippines, we're all very proud of what has been achieved and the future and where we know this is going to go. And like, I'm even curious as well. I guess it's a little bit different because Reina does play for the team, but like for your mom, like what does this mean to her and the excitement of the Philippines? Um, It's huge. So we're traveling um, to the world cup to watch her play like, Myself, my mom, my brother's entire family, my other brother's entire family, we're all going to go to New Zealand for their, you know, first round games. Um, It's like, 
I know I'm going to go there so and probably fun. not see the U.S. play, but I, that's not my priority right now. Like, it, it's it's her, mm-hmm. our family, um, the Philippines, um, our, you know, be, just being able to be able to play, um, qualify, be there and watch her and support her is um, everything. So it's, it's, I know my mom is like, lose sleep about it. And, you know, it's just proud beyond words. Athlete Mindset is part of the CASSource Podcast Network. At CASSource, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're growing this one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you by searching CASSource on your social media app of choice. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network, the CASSource Podcast Network.